This is the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast where we talk to people about coffee, but we don't talk to our coffee about people. In today's episode, we brought in a really special guest that we were just blown away by. Uh, He is one of Kevin's favorite people, and he's very quickly become one of mine. If you have a good taste in music, you might know him from his band, Iodola. They're a post-hardcore band from Salt Lake City, Utah. They have been around since 2012, and Iodola are releasing their fourth studio album called The Architect. Staged for early 2020, but uh, derailed by the coronavirus crisis. So we get to talk to him about what the current crisis has done to the music industry, how it's affected his band, his livelihood, um, how he's dealing with it himself. And then we also dig into some more fun stuff, like what kind of coffee does he drink? How does he take his coffee? How he and Kevin know each other? Uh, that We have all kinds of really interesting stories between the two of them. Kevin and Andrew have known each other for about five years And we really get into a lot about their passions in the music industry. I kind of let them riff for a lot of this podcast. You might not hear so much of me, um, but that's okay because I really thought they were having a great conversation and I wanted to just let that flow. This podcast was recorded over Skype and so the audio quality reflects that. Uh, We hope you still enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a really interesting take on the state of the world and it's really cool to talk to somebody who has a really interesting perspective on life and has experienced some really cool things also if you make it to the end idol have given us a sneak preview of one of their brand new songs unreleased and we'll get to listen to the first 30 seconds or so of it so stick around and don't forget if you haven't yet please subscribe uh, really helps us reach more people and if you could share with your friends uh we'd really appreciate it this is a new venture for us and we're really excited about it we thank you for listening and we hope you are staying safe healthy and that you are warm and well fed here's our conversation with andrew wells from iodola enjoy I've got us rolling. Um, I figured this is probably a good place to start. So, okay. Hey, uh, welcome, Andrew. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Welcome to the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast, uh, where we talk about coffee and people. (laughs) Because we can't just talk about coffee. We'd be right. Yeah. The Uh, best two things. Yeah. So, I'm Kevin. I don't know. We'll get into how how you guys know each other, but uh, for the. Yeah. sake of the continuity of the podcast listeners and also andrew the you know the the quick elevator pitch is uh kevin and i started a coffee collective about a year ago it started off as a simple fun you know hobby on the side uh where we had a bit like a club uh once a month we'd get some friends and coffee professionals together to talk about coffee kind of nerd out about it maybe we had a you know a presenter uh, somebody who could educate people who were just like coffee enthusiasts, people who just drank coffee, who found it delicious and didn't necessarily work in it. And it was a way to connect professionals with the community and get more people to be interested in drinking specialty coffee, craft coffee, whatever you want to call it. And in the midst of all of that, you know, 
demand and excitement grew for this and we began uh, our meetups began growing and now Kevin and I have branched off to a couple of different uh, avenues of content creation with one being a podcast so this is we're in the early episodes of this podcast but we're we're getting good feedback and uh, uh, it's really easy to make a podcast nowadays yeah. honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it's yeah, I mean, yeah, that's sick. yeah we've just kind of taken every branch that comes our way and branched in that direction just gone okay cool that's another thing that we can do with this so mm. it's been a lot of fun um, dude, I'm really pumped that we could get you on here and talk to you, especially this early in the inception of it. But um, right off the bat, just to get you indoctrinated into our little routine, the first thing that we ask each other is, what's in your mug? Are you drinking anything? You got like water or something? I, I am. Actually, my wife's making me um, some of your coffee right now, right as we oh. speak. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, some of that doom the- cup? The Doom Blend, yep, yep. It's yeah. we've been, uh, yeah, we just every day we wake up, we smell it, we soak it in, and then just get, you know we'll do all sorts of stuff. We've done some pour overs with it. Um, we've done we have a little just a one. It's like a, two, a little two shot espresso machine that I yeah. got her for Christmas a couple years back. So we'll just use it to press some espresso shots and oh, uh, you know awesome. make a couple lattes. So yeah, um, dude, that's so cool to hear. Yeah, Luke, our that. roaster at Crew, is like. He's awesome, and that I I want to say he dialed in that roast long before I even worked there, and I just remember like that was the first thing that I drank when I started working at Crew was like every day. That's that was like my go-to coffee. I mean, it's it's so good. I can drink yeah. it. I I can dress it up and and do all sorts of cool cool shit with it, and it still tastes awesome. great. Or I can just drink it black, and it's it's it definitely gets the job yeah. done. It tastes awesome. Yeah, it's got that really good chocolatey note. Matt, what do you got? Uh, I'm drinking uh, La Plata from Knockabout Roasters. Nick Fernia. Nick Fernia, our, our boy. boy. Our boy. We and love Nick. So, <laughs> in our area, there's like, I, I would say there's probably like half a dozen, like just good roasters around. Hell, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and so we're we're really lucky because we get to go and like say hey to these people. And now, like through the Coffee Collective, we've all kind of become friends and we've started like chatting um pretty regularly and uh yeah nick fernia is uh, he's super young but super impressive you would get along with um he's got like a really he's trying to reach out and like expand his mind into the world and like just figure out like who he is and what his purpose in life is and part of that purpose for him has been coffee which has been awesome that's way cool yeah yeah and then i'm drinking um i got cold brew We've been playing around because we just like filtered it and like we were we're filtering it more than we ever have before because we're trying to extend the shelf life. But I started uh, playing around with like some club soda drinks with it and uh, I'm drinking it with coconut club soda right now and it's delicious. That sounds fucking awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever tried that club soda with the cold brew. Yeah, well, cool. So my job, I make cold brew concentrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so one bottle of it is like basically a quarter of a gallon and then you add three parts water and you can make a gallon with it so that's our whole new thing is we're going to start shipping it to people because of everything yeah. that's going on yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and i brought some home my roommate actually drinks it like pretty much straight <laughs> and which is insane that's super intense yeah evan's a beast 
Yeah, that's yeah. wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, I've been playing around and, like just trying to make some new drinks with it and like see what flavors bring out different accents of the cold brew itself. So it's been cool. So cool. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. It's cool. That's awesome. um, OK. Second question, Matt. What's the second question? The second question is, what's your, what's your jam? jam? <laughs> All right. So, Andrew, we always ask each other, what's your jam? Matt and I play music. We love music in general. Uh, what have you been listening to this week? Uh, not music, really. No? <laughs> a lot of, like, yeah, a lot of podcasts, a lot of a uh, lot of news. Um, it's okay. just been just been so crazy lately. Um, I, I did listen to a, a little bit this week. Um, I listened to uh, a band called Little Dragon. Um, that's oh, super, yeah. super good. Um, Little yeah. Dragon. Will, Will Swan turned me on to Little Dragon. Those guys are crazy talented they put out two newer songs i think either late last year or early this year um, oh cool they're really 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 cool um i like them a lot i i've been trying to dig into that band um the 1975 a little bit a lot oh, I, yeah. I know people love that band mm-hmm. um it was pretty cool i listened to a couple of tracks i thought it was it was really good i like the guitar tones um and, and the guy has a really interesting voice i thought it was pretty good um i'm always listening to a band called dirty loops that's like a pretty pretty constant stream for me okay. um they're they're like a three-piece uh pop jazz acid fusion crazy i i mean i don't i don't even know really how to describe them they're they're very poppy but they've got a lot of uh intense musicality so it's a three-piece it's a bass player um uh-huh. a singer a singer piano player and then uh, a drummer and they're all just supremely talented um and i'm surprised they're not they're not more well known um yeah they, they, get, a, they get a little bit of traction but they're i mean they're fantastic yeah you gotta check them out who are they again let me look them up right now they're called dirty, dirty, loops. Yeah, dirty, dirty loops. loops yeah that's cool the vocalist is i i, I mean the vocalist is just he's, he's so good i mean on record like some of the runs mm-hmm. that he had obviously he's done take after take it's it's tuned up a yeah. little bit but even watching his live performances it's pr- it's pretty much spot on if you listen to a song called uh hit me um, yeah yep. that oh man the vocal run at the end of that song is fucking spectacular it's it's so good that's awesome added man. it to my cue man we're gonna listen to it later there we yeah, go yeah. bingo what about um, you guys yeah matt what do you got all right i got this week? I got two. So um, my wife and I, since we're, you know, staying at home with everything that's going on, uh, we are repainting the cabinets in our kitchen. So Mm -hmm. and it's been like a a full two day process. She's actually a little pissed off that I'm up here podcasting right now. No, but (laughs) (laughs) uh, no, she's she's very supportive of it. But we want to get this done. Yeah. Fife wife. Right. Um, So I've been listening to lo-fi hip-hop beats like consistently just uh-huh. as like a really nice background to uh painting but when i'm not listening to and, and actually i should say the um the collection on spotify is called lo-fi cafe and it's just come on it's like the perfect combination of like a, you're in a coffee shop you're listening to lo-fi beats you're drinking mm-hmm. coffee like mm-hmm. that's the vibe i'm constantly looking for yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's your Zen vibe that you big time. Hit. Yeah, and <laughs> well, and then <laughs> when I trying to find Zen. <laughs> yeah, we were saying that that's kind of my that's kind of my dig is I'm I'm always looking for peace, right? Instead of like <laughs> chaos. Um, whereas Kevin, like Kevin, loves metal, and I I do like a good <laughs> bit of metal, but Kevin's always looking for absolute chaos. I think. <laughs> I I enjoy chaos. Yeah, you do. I do. Um, 
and actually on that topic of of the kind of music that I like, I went to go see a band called uh, Turnover. Have you ever heard of Turnover, Andrew? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I love Turnover. Love Turnover. I went to see them in New York City uh, early this year, I think. And they're touring with a band called Men I Trust. And I loved them. They have a female lead and they're just really, really... um, they have a, a similar vibe to Turnover, but I, I would say they they even step it up another level to that kind of 70s, like, uh, bubblegum pop kind of vibe, like, like mm. very airy, uh, a lot of cool guitar tones. They're, they're called Men I Trust, so they've got a record called... Yeah, yeah, I'm going to check that out. That's cool. Enclay yeah. Jazz. Enclay Jazz. O-N-C-L-E Jazz. Okay. Excellent. That's the name of the album? That's the name of the album. Okay. That's cool, man. Dude, I mean, I'm going to follow up. Last week, I was jamming that Hila girl. This week, Jesse Reyes released a new album. (laughs) And that's all I've been listening to for the past couple days. But before that, yeah, well, dude, oh, my God, that album's dope. There's this really cool song on it called Death. And it's just like nothing but attitude. Like the the whole vibe of that song is just like menacing like malicious attitude and i like for some reason every time i hear it i'm just like smiling and bobbing my head like okay yeah you go get that um (laughs) yes but uh before that what i was jamming um was i was jamming some idola because you hit me up with that little surprise last week yeah dude i had to hit you with it man i appreciate all the support for the last you know Five, what's what's it been? Five years now. <laughs> oh my a, god, it's been a while. It's been a minute. Um, it's been a minute, yeah. man. Um, but no, dude, I, I genuinely appreciate it. Um, I, I, you're one of the very few people I've sent that full record to. Um, outside of outside of like you and maybe two other friends and, and just industry people. Yeah. So obviously, obviously every record, the industry people all have it months in advance before it comes out. So yeah, uh, you know everybody's well, been picking. It up there but just a couple of my you know close friends i sent i sent the whole thing it was like hey listen to this you know we we it's done finally yeah. <laughs> after a, a ton of time spent trying to make it so and it's so good but like okay so we'll we'll come back around to that but um th- that's a perfect segue uh the next thing that we ask and we've already answered this question in episode one but what we'll ask of every guest that comes on the show is uh who are you how are you what do you do I'm Andrew Michael Wells. Uh, I'm doing pretty well, all things considered, with uh, yeah. the pande- pandemic yeah, world right. happening right now. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm doing doing fine. Um, bummed I had to uh, cancel a whole DGD tour, but um, yeah. uh, you know, making the best of it in light of that situation. Uh, and I play guitar and sing for two bands: uh, Dance Gavin Dance and a band called Idola from Salt Lake City. Yeah. Um, uh, doing that i've been playing music professionally for uh six or seven years now that's wild man living the dream <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what they tell that's what they tell me dog <laughs> <laughs> kevin uh, so kevin got me into dance gavin dance probably well over 10 years ago now right i mean long we were, long time yeah ago. i was just coming out of high school um so this was probably 2009 2010 mm-hmm. right around the time of downtown battle mountain um no, and, no, 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 no. That was that was downtown Battle Mountains, like two thousand five, dude. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. That's well, what, right. did, you, did, 
Did you say 2010, though? Yeah. I did say 2010, uh, yeah. They did put out Downtown Battle Mountain 2. 2. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That's probably yeah, that's it. Cool. So so same, he started me off. Stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> Johnny Craig. I, yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess I can't say of course, right? Because yeah. you guys have been through... <laughs> You guys, you guys. I'm sorry not to derail the conversation of Dance Gavin Dance per se, but uh, you guys have had how many singers? Is it two or three? Three in total. So um, I've total. played guitar with those guys for five years now. Um, since since 2015, um, I've mm. I've been on the last three records, um, doing vocals, guitar, um, collaborating on writing, uh, and then and touring full time. Uh, I think I've missed maybe like six or seven to- total shows i well i missed i missed one small european tour uh one time when i went i had a i had a double book with idola um but other than that i've been their live guitarist pretty much all the way throughout um the last five years but before that uh they had yeah they've had three total singers so they had johnny craig uh kurt travis and then tillian pearson's been um the most consistent vocalist for i yep. think almost eight eight years now so yeah long time yeah, long time, eight or nine years. Um, that was since yeah. like acceptance speech, right? I think. Yep. Yeah, yeah, acceptance speech was the first record with Tillian on it. Yeah. Um, Crazy. I mean, crazy. I guess I guess you would say their most consistent vocalist is John Mess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he, <laughs> John Mess vocalist. Only, yeah, yeah, he was only absent for like one record, so he. Yeah, yeah he. Uh, yeah, I would say he's the most consistent. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a good point. Um. What um, what got you into this mode where you wanted to be a professional musician? Um, so I went to a concert, uh, my first concert when I was probably eleven or twelve. Uh, my dad took me to a, a Green Day concert uh, on their American Idiot tour. And I, I was a huge, it, I had a weird, I had a really weird progression with uh, my love of music. Um, the first instrument that I ever played was the flute. Um, I played nice. the flute in you know, concert band, symphonic orchestra, pretty much all the way up through uh, school. And mm-hmm. I, I never really thought about guitar until I started listening to other styles of music. So my dad, um, as I was growing up, we, he would listen to, I mean, he was a hair metal junkie he would he would listen to um you know uh, like hair like hair metal like poison and rat wasp like oh all yeah, war, yeah. War in, you know cherry pie would come on you know it's like yep. you got you got like um, my dad was into the, that too just the 80s heyday but he would also listen to um certain types of uh metal music like black sabbath uh led zeppelin mm-hmm. the doors and so those were the darker bands were kind of what I gravitated to initially. So the first okay. record I ever I ever bought was Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Um, and I remember listening to that that closing track. It's like a six minute long. It's called Fairies, Fairies Wear, Boots. Wear Boots. Yeah. Oh, I remember just I remember just listening to that being like, what the fuck is this, dude? Yeah. Like, this is crazy. feeling like this is fucking crazy this is like dark and emotional and it's got riffs and it's got ozzy's just fucking doing his thing um and and so i was into that for for, and i was i've been into metal pretty much consistently all the way ever since um but i did go through a phase i think just that angsty like 
you know, 11, 12, like preteen phase where mm-hmm. I, it was like when all those bands like Good Charlotte, Blink-182 and Green Day were like <laughs> yeah, just blowing yeah. up. And so I listened to like Dookie by Green Day and fucking like Basket Case. The first song mm-hmm. I ever learned on guitar was uh, Brain Stew, that dan it. Whoa. Yep. Dan it. Just those, just those, you know, those five chords. You're just like, okay, yep. cool. Um, and the so I, my dad took me to a Green Day concert and a Good Charlotte concert, and I remember um, seeing those guys play, and and it was in an arena, you know, it was a massive fucking tour, and I remember seeing them play and just like, you know, I was probably 11, 12, just soaking in the room and being like, I want to do that for the rest of my life, like that yeah. looks fucking awesome, like going up on stage and just seeing all these people's faces light up and and seeing you know how music impacted them. You know, I was really young at the time. I didn't know I didn't know about the industry. I didn't know about the all of the crazy stuff that comes with being a, a professional musician. I just knew I wanted to do it. I just knew that yeah. I wanted to right. wanted to make a go of it. So my dad bought me a guitar for Christmas when I was 13 and uh, just took off from there. I just started learning as many instruments as I could um, all the way out through high school. I tried to start as many bands as I could pretty much from 13 on. So I started gigging. I started gigging live uh, at at 14, 14, 15. Um, that's young. Like that's that's yeah. awesome. That is the approximate age I was gigging as well. And I remember we have uh, we have a concert hall up by us in upstate New York that you know doubles like a lot of concert halls do. Doubles as like a like a bar and a you know like almost a club. I'm talking about Northern Lights, Kev. Yep. And okay. and Northern Lights, which is now called Upstate Concert Hall. Um, it oh, doesn't, yeah. oh, you know, upstate concert hall. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that place, uh, <laughs> I don't know if they still host like local acts. Maybe they have like a local night here or there, but they used to do it all the time, especially with metal. Yeah. Um, and I was in a pop punk band at the time and I was probably about that age, like 15, 14. And they wouldn't let me in the door unless my dad would walk me in. And then my dad would course, leave yeah. and come pick yeah. me up after the gig. You talking capital order, man? Capital oh, order. Yeah. I, you knew it would come up. <laughs> Matt's old band was called Capital Order. That's Andrew. This is That's how Matt a, and I dude. actually met. Yeah, that name is hard, dude. That's a right. Good name. Right. Yeah. Matt and I actually met. He was a little emo kid with flippy hair, and yep. I was a big screamo singer with <laughs> with like a borderline shaved head. And I was like, Hell "You're yeah. cool." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you were in a lot of ways. You were kind of the same way i mean personality wise that you are today you've changed quite a lot since then but you still have the same kind of a vibe to you man you're you're never wearing a shirt and you're always sweaty true yep hey you you know if if, man's got a physique dude he's got to show it up yes (laughs) i i think i just i found who i wanted to be you know like and i was like okay this is cool i'm comfortable in this um that's good yeah, so uh, so you were wait you were gigging at fourteen. What kind of music were you playing at fourteen? Shitty music, <laughs> the same music <laughs> everyone plays at fourteen. Right. Yeah, um, that's true. That's no, true. Not good. Not very. Uh, you know, I mean, I had just started trying to learn how to sing too, and um, you know, I, I I I just I wasn't very good at it. Um, I yeah. you know I think unless you unless you grew up in a household I mean I grew up in Utah so every family in in Utah County Utah so if you know anybody from Utah County it's 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 very uh, LDS it's it's very Mormon um, 
dominant, right? And yep. so most most Mormon families they have, you know, uh, four plus kids at minimum, and then you you know they're they're singing in church every day, they're you know every Sunday they're singing you know together at home. Um, a lot of a lot of those families they're very tight knit. They've got a great community, um, and they they you know they love to sing um, as as like a glorification. So it's it which is awesome because it teaches those kids all those tools that you need, right? No one in my family, uh, outside my great uncle, uh, who's, you know, he taught at the university of Utah. He taught he's taught music there for God, a, a long, long, long time. Um, he, he, his side of the family, you know, I saw him a couple times growing up. They're the only musicians in my whole family. And so, um, for me, like growing up, no one played music. Um, I never really learned how to sing. I, you know, my, my parents were agnostic, atheist. They did, they, you know, I, we didn't go to church. We didn't do anything like that. So, um, when I started learning how to sing when I was 13, you know, 12, 12, 13, like really trying to sing, uh, yeah. God, I was, that's fucking terrible. Um, it, it took, you know, a lot of just like hard work research. Um, you know, I, I took some lesson programs from various people over the years, like Eric Arsenault, uh, Per Bristow, and then Melissa Cross most recently. Um, and I, I love it now, but it just with every instrument, you know, uh, just yeah. trying to trying to perfect my technique on everything. Um, but yeah, as far as, um, it, you know, uh, gigging out at, at, you know, 14, the music that I was playing, the, oh man, thir at 13, I started a pop punk band too. Um, it was the name was horrible. It was I think we called it uh, Grounded, which is like the like the yes. dumbest. We're always dumbest more self-critical of our band names, though. I've always felt that Capital Order was just the worst name that that you could come up with. I thought it was corny. I hated it. And in fact, the whole time that we were a band, which was probably a few years, uh, oh. we were always. There was always a side conversation like between, you know, between rehearsals or whatever, where we'd be like, yeah, so how are we going to change our name? You got any ideas? What do we <laughs> like? We never liked it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, we, we came from pop punk as well, man. We uh, yeah, I think Kevin, everybody is that age, you know, you, oh, you're angsty yeah. and you still want to, you know, but you still want to get out there. It's, it makes sense. Well, pop punk is easy, too, right? Because you're just you're just yeah. shredding power chords and. You know, it doesn't have to be as tight, you know, obviously the tighter, the better. But when you're that age, you're just trying to make noise. You know what I mean? You're really just trying to get yourself moving well, and getting people moving. And it's a yeah, totally different like the, thing. There's the fun element too. like pop punk's fun. Like even though like you, you could be e yeah. as like, yeah, as, as like hardcore anarchistic as you want as a pop punk kid. But you're still basically like the gumdrop equivalent of actual punk rock, you know, like. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're not you're not. Yeah, you're not getting blackout drunk fucking wearing, you know, studs all, like no. into fucking crazy piercings going anti-establishment. Like, no, I, I, I get you for sure. I, I think, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think it's it's healthy for a lot of a lot of kids to do that, you know, to go and start. Oh, a yeah. I, I'd recommend it. Go start a pop punk band. Have some fucking fun for a while. Jump um, around, talk about your friends, how you need to get out of this town. Like, yeah, 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 I was just gonna say that. <laughs> Eat some pizza, call it a day. <laughs> Eat some pizza. I love have your uh, mom come pick you up from the show. Yeah. Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Kanane has uh, this bit about being in a pop punk band when he was younger and how, like, it, what I love how he, he says, uh, anarchy has a curfew in the suburbs when you're a kid. Yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> it was like, all right, cut off to 11 p.m. for anarchy. We got, we're going to take the system down. Like, his mom's like, I made snacks. And like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I brought orange wedges. So, Mom, we're trying to take down the system. Uh, but uh, so that obviously, like, starting young was like a really that helped develop that desire to be a professional musician. What what was your first step into the professional foyer as an adult? Um, and what was that well, like? Um, you know, it, it's kind of, I mean, the progression for me was just basically to try to gig out as much as possible and try to write mm -hmm. new music. And I, I think, you know, looking back, um, there were definitely some moves. I, I probably could have been, I probably could have been smarter about who I, you know, partnered with in bands. And I think everybody kind of feels that way with some of their older bands are like, man, like, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have probably had experiences where there's like, there's a, there's, you know, a guy or a girl that's in the band and they're like not pulling their weight. They're not contributing. Yep. They're not writing. They're not, yep. they're not practicing their fucking instrument. And you're just like, well, man, they're my friend. So I probably shouldn't say anything, you know, or like, they're yeah, my friend. Totally. We should probably just like, just keep on going until it gets fucking, uh, ridiculously uncomfortable and then then it gets to a boiling point and then friendships get tarnished you know what I mean yeah absolutely. Um, I let that happen uh, uh, quite a few times I had a band um, you know I had bands all throughout high school um, I, you know we we play shows we do battle of the bands we you know we we lived in a small town called Payson which is probably a, a population of like 9,000 people total oh wow that is small. um yeah, our, my graduating class was really small. I mean, our yearbook, our yearbook was like, you know, paper thin. Like you could, it's just not, yeah. not you know, uh, ironically enough, I got voted most likely to become a rock star in my, my senior year. So, <laughs> so, well, hey, at least they were on point you guys, with that. I fucking did it. You know, it's like I can yeah. that go, okay, well, at least I fucking did that. Um, That's awesome, but, though. So yeah, after 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 getting out of high school, you know, um, after uh, getting my high school diploma, uh, I graduated about a year early, and I just wanted to uh, get out as quickly as I could. And so yeah, uh, I took I I basically tried to take on a program at Berkeley School of Music in Boston, and um, I drove out there with a whole crew of people and. Um, Okay. We tried to make it make it work in Boston for a little bit, and it just didn't quite work out. We were really young. I mean, we were 17, yeah. 18 years old, like just Whoa. just very young, trying to move out there in like two cars and like you know like my truck That's... full of shit and and get a yeah. place. We basically tried to like rent a punk house in Boston, fucking you know three thousand <laughs> three thousand miles away from home. Like that wasn't oh my our God. stomping ground. So no. Um, you know, we tried that for, for a few months and it, it just cost a living finding work and, and trying to make that, you know, work, uh, yeah. just what really, it just didn't, didn't pan out. So yeah. we came back to Utah. Um, I, my, my band dissolved at that point. I was in a band called follow the earth, um, with my stepbrother, Brandon and another guy named Chris Andresen. Mm -hmm. And, um, that band dissolved and, uh, you know, I, I went through kind of a rough patch just trying to figure out, OK, what do I do next? Like, do I go to college now? Um, I had a, I worked at a coffee shop during that period of time, actually. Really? Oh, yeah, OK. Yeah. So bringing it back to Wrapping the coffee. Back around. <laughs> That's cool. 
Um, yeah, I was a barista for a few years, actually. So I worked at a place called Buns and Brews. So not Beans and Brews, the franchise, but Buns and Brews. Um, okay. And, Did you uh, all have to wear man buns at the time? Was that was that? No, I made that choice uh, myself. So I made that <laughs> on my I own. I love it. Um, yeah, so I I did have I did have hella long hair back then. Nice. Uh, oh, really oh. long hair. I did the man bun before it was a fucking big old thing. Dude, that's oh. like proto hipster. Oh. Yeah. I know, dude. You see origins of hipster. I used to say that shit about Justin Bieber when Justin Bieber came up and and you know became famous. People go, oh, you have hair just like Justin Bieber. I'm like. Justin Bieber's got my hair, man. Yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> Give credit where it's due. Right. Um, no, for sure. Yeah. So I, I worked as a barista um, mm-hmm. for a couple of years back then and and still just tried to play music. And and after that band dissolved um, is when I started uh, Idola. Um, oh, cool. I, yeah. So around so like play, 19, 20? I was, I was, yeah, I was about 19. Um, wow. The, Idola's first record um the Great Glass mm-hmm. Elephant. I started yes. recording when I was 19. Um, I started oh, writing man. and recording that record. So that that the song, uh, the Golden Rule, that's cl- mm-hmm. like close to the end of that record, the second to last song. I wrote yeah. that song while living in a town called Medicine Bow, Wyoming, which is a town with a population of 270 people. Wow! Uh, wow! Yeah, no no grocery stores. Three three <laughs> drive through bars. You could drive through the bars. There were three of them. Um, wait the, the whole town we need, we need to stop right there hold on wait what is Pack your bags Kev. Bar? i am not even shitting you guys I'm oh not my god just whatsoever i'm being 100%. how does that work do they have a takeout window yep 100 mm-hmm. no. yeah you, you drive up yeah they don't really id you i mean we would get alcohol we were we, were 21. <laughs> we would get we get alcohol all the time man they didn't give a fuck um yeah. we so we went out there to work on windmills we had a couple guys that were that were good friends of ours that that did cleaning of windmills um that it like paid. solar energy or like, not, not yeah. so, like wind like but, wind power wind. energy yeah. okay yeah so they because Big it's ones. so yep exactly because it's so open and it's so um you know i mean wyoming's perfect it's windy constantly if you've ever driven on i-80 it's a fucking death trap in the winter time because it's so windy and icy people oh my god I mean, yes. it's like a touring it's a touring artist's worst nightmare is, is oh, I-80. Yeah. um you you have you have a lot of people that have you know died just making that pass but it's perfect for wind energy right and then when you're yeah. a 19 year old kid you're like well i want to go make you know a few thousand bucks like how do i do that really quick how do i spend a summer just making you know you just get a wind yeah. turbine a hundred how how high are those wind turbines oh they're i mean they're high yeah they're uh, if you can uh they're you can see them for miles right i mean like they're crazy yeah and there's there's hundreds of them in wyoming it's not just like oh we have five wow. or six of them here we'll see how it goes most of the country's wind energy comes from places like that where it's big open space lots of wind um, and they need, they need people to climb up, do maintenance. They need people to climb up and clean them, make sure that they don't get rusted and, and damaged. Um, mm-hmm. so it pays really well. You go to a really small town. They've got like one hotel restaurant and three drive up bars and a gas station. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's got Dude, some that's awesome. Foods. 
But in order to get groceries, you would have to drive uh, 60 miles e- either way, either way. So you'd either drive to Rollins um, or mm-hmm. you would drive to like Cheyenne, I think. Yeah. Um, OK. Either of those either of those two like main cities in Wyoming <laughs> that are like, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the college cities that actually had restaurants and civilization. So, um, yeah, we, we would make that trek, you know, uh, once a week or once every couple of weeks and stock up. Yeah. But I, I wrote a lot of idola stuff while i was out there um before oh, cool. follow, follow the earth dissolved and one of our last shows that we played um we we played a show and um mm-hmm. you know we we had started idola like kind of shortly after that band dissolved and with idola we had our our original drummer we had an original drummer named zach for mm-hmm. um, maybe three months total he's we don't list him anywhere because he he really you know he, we we made one EP with him yeah. within a month month of being a band so we recorded a, a four song demo okay uh, within like a four four weeks of even being a band we we're like all right let's fucking go like we're just just let's just try to record something so mm-hmm. made a four song EP um, Zach quit the band and we met a guy who was uh, another local drummer in the scene that drummed for a couple other bands named Matt Hansen, who's been the drummer for Idola ever since he's, he's, yeah. he is, he's always been the drummer in my opinion, you know, like he's, okay. he's been the guy. So awesome. we teamed up with him and it was me, James, uh, Matt and Matt Hansen. So it was the four of us, we started Idola cool. and, um, started working on a full length. We were 19, 20 years old. Yeah. Most, a lot of the vocals that I did on that record, I recorded when I was 20, you know, 19. Wow. So. Yeah. Uh, well, and then Matt, you were going to ask a question. I got you. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the whole chat window up. So I didn't, I didn't even know what I looked like. Did I look like I was, I saw like... you hold up the mic. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I just I feel like this is a nice. Uh, well, we're we're approaching a good segue. The only question I have is, so you said you started recording, you know, your full length for Idol around nineteen twenty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so how old are you now? How long have you been doing Idola for? I am twenty eight now. Um, so I've been doing Idola for about eight years um, in total. So I would say I'd say about eight. Um, and yeah, it's been a, I mean, it's been a, a joy of mine for sure. Um, and it's, it's been an awesome experience the, the entire time for sure. Yeah. If, if you had to explain Idola to someone who's never heard of it, what would you say? Uh, I would say it's a very unique rock band, um, that really tries to capture sounds from all sorts of genres of music. Um, mm-hmm. and lyrically existentially it explores a lot of religious and uh, uh philosophical themes humanistic themes uh, all the way out throughout its entire discography it's a concept band um that yep. is very very passionate about um music and and human life really so really just people and, and history i think is a really good uh a really good intro to it it's it, it is always hard to explain it's not oh, like yeah yeah, we're a you know we're a we're a lo-fi pop punk band or we you know, we're a <laughs> punk band. Lo-fi pop. I think I'm gonna start a lo-fi pop punk band now. <laughs> yeah, dude. Let's go ultra, ultra lo-fi. Uh, you know, we it, it, it's a little harder to explain. I think with each release we try to tighten the nuts and bolts, but we we still our main theme is just trying to explore um, 
different genres and different uh, modalities of making music. And I think we've done yeah. a pretty good job at that. Boop. Future Matt here. We're going to take a quick 60 second break to talk about today's sponsor. I would actually, the one thing that I would highlight is, you know, when you said lyrically, existentially, I think one of the biggest pieces of your music and what drew me to it and what ended up making us like kind of friends is that you have a way of in bringing into your art um, the influence of, but not necessarily like the preachiness of different religions, different philosophies, um, where where does that motivation come from to to bring that in and almost have like a lesson to teach people, but you're not really doing it in like a, a preachy way? Yeah, um, I think that that's come from it comes from a lot of places without diving too much into like my, you know, my whole childhood. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I I've struggled with mental health as, as many people do. Um, anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, you know, I got diagnosed with uh, you know, manic depressive when I was young. Mm. Um, I had suicide attempts, you know, all throughout my teen years into my, into my adulthood uh, as well. Mm. And so it's, it's something I've wrestled with my whole life, um, coming from, you know, not the best upbringing. Like I, I love my mom. I love my dad to death, but it was, you know, there was definitely some challenging moments. My stepdad, mm. um, had some issues with addiction, um, in my teenage years, and which is when I left home, I left home, mm. um, at 17. And I, I, you know, at the time, so again, all my parents are agnostic or, or, or atheists at this point in time. Um, so they're like, God wasn't really a theme in my household. Like God wasn't something that you, that you really, you know, looked for or, or tried to learn about. And so after my first suicide attempt was when I really, I, I just, I was sobbing after the whole thing and was like, I, there's gotta be something more than this. Like there's gotta be some there's got to be something more like there's there's too much out there that, you know, you know, I like I was a smart kid and mm-hmm. even scientific. Like there's there's too there's too much out here that I just feel there's got to be something more. There's got to be something um, that I'm not that I'm missing. Right. Yeah. And so that, that kind of kick started my um research of religion. So human religions, um, I, I really focused on Eastern religion for a really long time. So I focused yes, on, you did. um, yeah, I focused on, on Buddhism and Hinduism primarily for a, a very long time, but I, I did my research in Abrahamic religion too. So I, I research, um, Judaism, Islam, I, I researched, you know, all sorts of different sects of Christianity, um, yeah. historical Catholicism, um, so, uh, you know, Zoroastrianism, like all, all mm-hmm. of these, um, all, all of these different faiths and faith structures, right? Yeah. Uh, paganism, like I, I was very intrigued by p- humans' capacity to worship, you know, humans' capacity yeah. to, to love and to build these systems that were really human focused, you know, at the end of the day. I mean, human beings always have a tendency when you build hierarchies, they have a tendency to manipulate those hierarchies for power. Um, yeah you know, twist information around and, and utilize it for their own ends. You know, if they've mm-hmm. got some sort of, um, agenda, uh, you know, it, it tends to fuck a lot of things up, but at its core level, right. If you have, if you have a human being that says, I want to connect with something higher, right. You take mm-hmm. Albert Einstein, for instance, he was a pantheist, right. He believed that 
the word God and the word universe were interchangeable um, yep. from mm-hmm. each other. So he would say, okay, well, you know, the universe is so vast and incomprehensible, but there is something there. Like there's something yeah. to the human soul. There's something to the spirit. Um, and there's something existential that, that I don't understand or have the capacity to understand, but I can still acknowledge it. And so yeah. even a guy like that, uh, you know, he, he, at the, at a core level, he wants to be part of something greater and he yeah. wants to be part of an overarching human system that really helps humanity progress or helps humanity come together as, as some sense of oneness. So, um, again, yeah, Eastern religion was what I focused on primarily because of that. It was very, mm-hmm. I, you know, a practicing Buddhist for a long time. Um, oh, that's still, cool. you know, I would still consider myself practicing like, yeah. uh, most people, you know, don't view Buddhism as a religion. Once they understand it, it's more of a, again, it's, it's a practice. Um, I would say Hinduism is, is, is arguably more of a practice as well. When you, when you get into the non-deital side of things, um, where you look at like the Bhagavad Gita more as a metaphorical story or, you know, an allegorical story versus like a literal interpretation of like, uh, you know, a little, a literal interpretation of Aryuna having this like physical battle. It's more of an, it's more of an introspective, which I yeah. think really intrigued me about religious literature is people taking these narratives and applying them to this big overarching structure. So, um, my study of history and religion, I, I would say has had a major impact on Idola's lyrics. Um, I tried not to, I, tr- I've written lyrics for dance, Gavin dance before. Um, yes. I've written, some choruses. Uh, I've I've sang features. This this newest record is my second like full feature. You know I've sung harmonies on multiple songs and and collaborated with Tillian and John and writing some yeah. stuff. Super um, cool. But yeah. my yeah my two my two features I tried I try not to do a lot of um, existential stuff in those yeah. uh, <laughs> just because it, it doesn't really seem like the the the. It, uh, the proper place for it. Like I, I want those sure, two yeah. projects to be distinctly different. Um, yeah. in turn, especially in terms of the lyrical message or the content, like J- Tillian and John and, and, and Kurt and Johnny all have, uh, different lyrical styles. And, yes, you know, um, I, I don't want to just come into DGD and be like, yeah, let's talk about religion. It's like, no, let's, <laughs> uh, like, I, I get yeah. what you guys are trying to do. I want to, I want to write what serves the song. I want to write what, sounds the best for what you guys are trying to accomplish and try to fit whatever's whatever's there you know so like the new yeah. the new the newest song i sing on a song called nothing shameful um okay. alien and john had already written their lyrics before i had written mine and actually thrown the song they're thrown the recording down so i got i got the chance to like hear their their lyrics what the message of the song was and go okay how okay. do i put my, how do i personalize it for me how do i make it personal and then also put like a spin on it right yeah. um but but for Idola, yeah, it's it's been very um, in answer to your original question, which is how do I how do I do that and also try not to be preachy? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's an artist's <clears throat> job to tell you what to think or how to think. I fucking hate that. Like if you have an artist that's yeah. like, hey, this is the way that you're supposed to think, um, they can go fuck themselves. And I'll tell them that. To <laughs> the I I yeah, don't I give it. a I don't give a fuck like it's not your job to tell other people what to think, who to vote for, how to feel, what they should do with their lives. It's your, it, you know, and, and people will argue with me. I don't care. Like you can, you know, there are artists out there that are like, no, it's my job to be a political activist. And it's like, okay, that that's fine. 
I just respect your art a little bit less. <laughs> um, <laughs> so right. I, for me, yeah. my job as an artist or what I think a good artist does is asks the audience a question to ask yes. themselves. Right? Yes. 100%. So you, you, want to, you want to give the audience something to think about, right? You wanted to give them something to muse on and say, huh, I didn't really think about that that way before. Maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe yeah. I should look into this. Maybe I should think about this this way. Or maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I, I hear this and I go, ah, I don't really like that question. I think I already know the answer. Like, that's cool. You know, it gets me to think about, I, I, you know, it gets you to reaffirm your own positions or ask yourself a question that will get you to think outside the box to think, okay, maybe I don't have the answers. Maybe somebody yeah. else can teach me something. And that's a conversation between an artist and a fan, you know, an artist and a listener. It, it, that's the conversation I want to keep going as I get older is where people listen to my music or the things I have to say. I don't want them coming to me saying, Hey, you know, how, how can you know, uh, like, you know, I, I want to learn more about Siddhartha, like what, you know, what, what meditative yeah. practice should I do? Or like, Hey, can you, you know, it's like, are, are you, can you save me? Or can you, you know, can you do this? Or can you tell me what to believe? It's like, no, I, that's not my job. My job is to, to make music that's personally relevant to me based mm -hmm. on my experience as truthfully as I can and say, okay, you know, these are the, these are the pieces along the way that I thought about. These are the things that got me thinking about life and other people, consequences, actions, uh, yeah. existentialism. How can I pose this question to my audience to say, hey, think about this. And if you ever want to have a yeah. discussion, come to a show. Let's have a discussion. And you know that firsthand. You, the first time we ever, you came to that show <laughs> yes. in, in, in Brooklyn. Tell me about this. I, I haven't heard this story. Oh, oh my I'll God. Let, I'll, let, I'll let Kevin tell. So funny. Uh, yeah, so the first time Andrew and I ever met, I had the year before I listened to Degeneratera, your second album. And I like immediately, I remember I was doing a workout. I was driving my grandma up the coast to come up for the summer. And we had stopped at like some random hotel. And I was just like, I need some new music. I was in like a funk. I was in a weird place. I didn't like know what I wanted to do that day, that night. Like I was just talking to my grandma every day and like wasn't really communicating with anyone else. And I like, and I love her to death, but like, you know, I was like starved for peer attention, but at the same time, I didn't want to reach out to anybody. So I was just like, I just need music. Like I need something to listen to, to just get a good workout in and get tired and go to bed. And I yep. heard Degeneratera. And the first thing that you say on that album, like right after that little proem, that intro piece was, my intention is to explore the realm of consciousness in the human condition. And I was just like, Yep, I'm locked in. And you I'm were like, like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, and like that, just that opening line, I was like, that's a thesis statement. I'm going to listen to this whole album. And I fell in love with it. And then I heard to speak to listen because that came out like two months after I first heard Degeneratera. And then, um, and Will Swan actually posted one of the tracks from it. And then I listened to, to speak to listen. I'm like, all right, I'm really down with these guys. I really like what's going on here. But I want to figure out why it's going on and I want to learn more about it. So I went to the show in Brooklyn a few months later in like February. It was like the middle of winter mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you guys had a VIP package and it was like, oh, a little acoustic set and you get to ask the band some questions and stuff. And I was like, yes, in. And when you said you guys got done playing one of your songs, uh, I think Contra probably. And then so, you were yeah. like, yeah, you're like, all right, are there any questions? And 
I like my hand shot up, but I like waited for someone else to raise their hand. And then you like, you picked me and I was like, I was like, uh, if you want to let someone else ask a question first, I have a whole bunch of questions. Like that was the first thing I said. <laughs> and, yeah, that's and Kevin. Andrew was, Andrew was really nice. He's like, he's like, no, you can go first. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll ask one. And I was like, so on track seven of this album, when you reference the Codex Gigas, like, and I just started like <laughs> digging into it and like everybody around me in the room I could feel was like, oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> like, Oh dude, it was, I loved it. That's still to this day, like one of my, one of my all time favorite <laughs> VIP experiences, not only yeah. because we became such good friends afterwards, yes. but, um, you know, I mean that, that's the key reason, but also just yeah. because it was such a fun interaction, like everybody, yeah, the audience well, this motherfucker did his research. Like, yeah. this, this guy went in hard in the in the cut. I just listened to Humble Ledger because it's got the blues solo. It's like, oh my god, it, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, and then even Sergio at the end was like, he like very, you know how Sergio is. He's like a little, he's a little like quiet and humble and like he was just kind of like, hey, thanks for asking those questions. I actually didn't know some of that stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. So, yeah, Sergio, yeah. Sergio's gotten more into the whole lore of it uh over time with how it's with how it's been and he um yeah yeah i mean he's been he's been awesome to work with he's one of my best friends so i can't no no bad no bad words for me for him so he's a great great man um dude well it seems like when so you obviously you're into creating concept art you're into creating um art that asks questions. What do you think are like some of the biggest challenges as an artist when it comes to creating concept art? And how would you more so like first off, how would you define concept art as someone who makes it? And then what are what do you think is like the biggest challenge that comes across in making concept art for you? Okay. Uh I would define concept art as anything that has a particular theme um, Mm -hmm. that's thematic or has a narrative in some way so like technically you could write a concept album that's like i'm gonna write a concept album about oranges right just the fruit yep i'm gonna say okay i love you know this song's called citrus delight or this song you know it's like you could yeah you could write a concept album that that the theme is oranges right but i think that concept art so that that as a defining umbrella technically is correct but to me really good high quality concept art would be um something that has a narrative right something that strings the the entirety of the record together with one unifying concept or one unifying principle so like Mm. you know if you're if you're studying religions right and you have mm-hmm. a concept album about world religions mm-hmm. that in in and of itself could be a concept album but then if you put a narrative to it like idola has done where you say okay there's a mm-hmm. protagonist there there are anti- antagonistic themes in there um, mm-hmm. there's a start and an end point or even in degenerate era where there's multiple start and end points where there's yeah. there's a duality theme to it where there's that that in in and of itself is is constructing a narrative that hosts that piece together yeah right um that's yeah, yeah. I, I thought, that's how I would define it um, <clears throat> as far as a concept concept art goes. It, the biggest challenges with making concept art, I would say m- most people would probably, that make concept art would probably agree, um, conveying the message properly so that it's properly understood, right? You could have yeah. the best message in the entire world. You could have a message that literally like, you could have this message that get that makes everyone in the world forgive each other magically, you know, like you could have this amazing <laughs> 
amazing message that just get you know it saves the planet but if you can't yeah. con- if you can't um communicate it properly if you can't mm-hmm. give it the proper channels of communication it it's going to fall flat it's going to your reach is going to be very very limited i feel like that's probably been a struggle of mine um that that's gotten gotten but easier to navigate as I've gotten older, as I've, I've gotten wiser, I've made mistakes. I've, I've, you know, as we all have through our whole growth process, that's what being human's about. Yeah. Um, and just learn how to better navigate that. So like with Idola, there are some very intricate themes. There are mm-hmm. some very um, intricate titles. Uh, most people oh, can't, yeah. say, most people don't say Degenera Terra, right? And I don't blame them. I mean, <laughs> The, the literal principle comes from yeah. a physics, a physics term um, called yeah. the degenerate era, which is the five stages of um, like the heat death of the universe or like the hypertrophy of the universe. Oh, so um, it's a pun. Yeah, essentially. I mean, it's like yeah, a, it's, play on it's a play on, on. Yeah, it's a play on the third stage of, of you know, the heat death of the universe. Like, yeah, it, it's a physics term for the degenerate era, like an era that exists outside of time and space. So um, yeah. when you when you put those together, degenerate era it, it, it rolls off the tongue, but when you see it and you look at it and you're like, I, uh, I'm going to, most people will just look at it and they go, that's not a word I've seen before. I'm going to go back to being four years old and just try to sound it out. And then whatever yeah. I sound out, is just going to work like that band Chiodos. Everybody argued about how that band's name was pronounced forever. Yeah. At least oh, in my, yeah. like Chiodos, Chiadas. Uh, <laughs> I've always said Chiodos. You know, yeah, me too. I don't yeah. know where yeah. everybody landed on it. I I wasn't, you know, I wasn't on the committee, but <laughs> yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they they kicked me off the committee. So I, yeah, so, you know. got kicked uh, off. Craig, Craig Owens didn't uh, didn't allow yeah, you to be on the committee. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, so it, it even the word idola. Some people mispronounce that. Um, idola yeah. is the real word. Uh, it's you can look it up. Uh, it's a very yeah. it's a going word. to right now. Uh, no, it means something idolized. Yeah, it means an idolized, yeah. idolized person or thing. It also has a mm-hmm. secondary meaning in Greek that's that stands for um, a, a specter or a phantom or a ghost. Oh, yeah. whoa! Yeah. But idola, idola is the plural of that. So instead of it being so, an idolon is a singular. Um, oh. like one idealized person or thing, one specter or phantom. Idola mm-hmm. means a collective of those things. So either a collective of idealized per, pe- persons or things or a collective of spirits so we used both of those in determining the name so so you're telling um, me that a, a collective of spirits is on a podcast with a collective of coffee enthusiasts that's yes. that's what i'm hearing bam yep that's it <laughs> yeah. this episode's going platinum baby I, oh I like man it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but yes uh, yeah. Real quick, sorry, I, I just wanted to answer your uh, oh, yeah. the, the the difficulty of um, conveying that message. The other the other counterpoint I had was just like getting people to understand it. So refining mm-hmm. um, refining titles, refining uh, the concepts. Like I, I think we've done a really good job of that with our new record, The Architect. Um, yeah, every, every title is pronounceable. That album. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, we were every, talking about that. I, I listened to it and I was yeah. like, I was like, hey, this is the most accessible album that you've had so far. A hundred percent. But w- what we did was it's the most accessible, but it's also still the highest caliber of musicianship. That's, I think, where we where we oh, a lot definitely. of people will, will look at it and they'll go, OK, Metallica was mm-hmm. became more accessible over time. Um, but people people will say they sold out. Right. They, they yeah. intentionally right. went in with the with the. With the 
you know, the the intention of, okay, how do we make it the easiest possible thing to understand? I still don't want it to be the easiest thing to understand because then the message doesn't go that deep. It doesn't have deep roots, right? And yeah. I want I want it to be deeply rooted. I want the I want that to, you know, I want those roots to produce fruit. So yeah. um the 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 idea is how can I make this as palatable as possible musically, lyrically, um, mm-hmm. visually, and still make it the highest caliber of art that I've ever been able to create. And so balancing those two things was, was I would say, the most challenging part of yeah. this so far. Dude, and that definitely, I mean, that the musicianship definitely comes across that. I mean, I feel like anybody who hears that song, Empty Gardens, is just going to be like, holy crap. Like, the first time I listened through to the album when you sent it to me that that song stuck out and every time i've come back around to it i've been like yeah this is the banger off the album like it's so good yep it's i that's my favorite song we've ever done um but it's crazy yeah it's i i would say that's my i think that's my like magnum opus of a song for sure um i think it's the best yeah for sure I, i would say so like just in terms of how it's how it's orchestrated all of the vocal content in there the lyrics um just the whole song all in all um it it was it was probably my favorite song um but that the crazy thing is like like i i I had a feeling you would also feel that way but it's so weird every time we send this album to like a new industry person or um you know a current industry person or like somebody that's really close to the project everyone has a different favorite song and it oh, varies really? like, throughout the whole. Yeah, like uh, like there's a couple people. Mutual fears, their favorite song, the one with John Mess on it. Um, the uh, there's our manager really wants that song, Unequivocal Nature, to be a single. Our booking agent really wants um, Counterfeit Shrines, and like there's so many different mm-hmm. opinions on it. But that to me is that's a first for me, where all yeah. these people are coming back and going, man, every song is good. There's yeah. like no, there's no sleepers on this, you know. There's like a couple interlude yeah. pieces, but out of the song songs there's i mean it's just bangers so i that's been really awesome for me to hear just because i i did it a lot on that record man i (laughs) i I did a lot for that record so yeah at one point you were uh recording the record and then you also were doing a couple of the singles for the new dance gavin dance stuff like the new like headhunter at the same time right yeah yep yeah with that's not literally literally at the same time so we we did two weeks of idola tracking with mm-hmm. uh dr- drums and um drums and bass so it was me and matt in the studio working on drums me recording bass um you know doing a lot of that stuff yeah. and then we and then we took a 10-day break in the middle where dance gavin dance so those guys flew home matt flew home dance gavin dance flew out and then we recorded headhunter together so i was already wow. still i was just i was already there in the studio yeah. in the in the band housing so i just stayed in stayed in the studio helped them you know i you know we wrote headhunter together and then i went and recorded that they did blood wolf um i didn't record on that Uh, at all um but they did blood wolf as well at the same time and then like nothing happened just the very next day after dgd left um sergio and my guitar player matt flew out and Mm -hmm. Uh, even though Matt didn't track any guitar on the record, he did some great screaming on the record. He did some, yeah, he did. some awesome, awesome lyric uh, stuff too. He and I co-wrote um, some choruses and stuff on that record. So uh, awesome. he was he was a benefit, and Sergio did some guitar. And then there were there were days where I would track because we 
because of the DGD thing, we kind of fell behind on time. Mm-hmm. So because it was so chaotic, I mean, you ask any engineer if they're doing, it's like, oh, I'm going to sandwich in a massive project between like a moderately successful project for a six <laughs> week time. And you're like, this is a yeah. fucking nightmare. So we were falling behind. So there were days where I would track, I would track base for eight hours with Ricky. Um, Holy shit. Chris's assistant. So I'd track bass for yeah. eight hours and then I would go and track guitar for four hours after that. So I would yeah, I, I was, I was going to ask you what these days look like. Are they, are they full days? Do you end up, you know, what, what do you end up getting enough sleep? Do you feel like, how do you feel at the end of all of it? Definitely never not enough sleep. sleep. No, never <laughs> right. Sleep. Uh, Chris is, Chris has an awesome, um, like band department that's attached to the studio that it is great, but there's the only issue with it which is kind of a benefit. It's a double-edged sword. There's no windows in the sleeping room, right? He has like a, some dual bunk beds, but there's no windows. So you could literally like stay up writing till like 4 a.m. and not really know it and then go to sleep and wake up at like 2 p.m. and be like, what the, f- what is yeah, life what right now? Day what is the it? fuck yeah, happened? Always <laughs> uh, and I was there for like seven weeks, right? So I was there wow. for a really long time and we still didn't finish because as you heard on that record it's it's intense it's very um it's larger than life in a lot of ways in my opinion so there there was a lot of intense days where i would come in again track bass for eight hours track guitar for like four hours um and i would be i i feel like i'm pretty good with takes too this isn't like um you know it's not like i'm in here going oh hey here's take 100 of this bass line it's like i was ripping through fucking takes like i was you know i i'd get through some stuff in one or two takes you know and chris Mm -hmm. is chris is an amazing engineer he's an incredible producer he's one of my really good friends um we became really good friends throughout this process and and he's a stickler with takes right he'll make you do it if you need to do it a hundred times he'll make you do it a hundred times right oh, yeah. oh, awesome. but the the process was still lengthy just because it's such an intense record we wanted it to be perfect we really yeah. wanted it to be um something special and it meant a lot to me personally it's it's probably the most personal record that i've ever done so um it it was very intense and the vocal days were really intense too i mean we would do normally you what you do you would do in a record is you'd have one of your guitar players right mm-hmm. and he'd be he'd track he would track guitar for like four hours and then you would come in and do vocals for like three or four hours until you couldn't sing anymore and then you would you would rest and then you come back the next day mm-hmm. i was doing days where i was doing the guitar for four hours and then singing for four hours or we'd have a day where we're like oh we need to bash out some of these vocals Let, can you sing for eight hours and i go fuck i can try <laughs> let's fucking right. go. try it yeah uh, and so it was i i pushed myself really really hard so i did i did a lot of the guitar um i did all, pretty much all of the songwriting like me and my drummer matt we did a, a the bulk of the songwriting together um yeah. like or like i would write it and demo uh drums and send them to him he would learn the drums and then we we'd nitpick parts but like the structures the lyrics the vocals the guitar the bass um, all of that production that you hear yeah. in the background, um, all the piano parts, all of the, all the synth arrangements, the strings, the ethnic yeah. instruments, uh, that, that was all me too. I did, I did a hundred percent of that program. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's insane, man. Yeah. Um, it was an, an endeavor for sure. <laughs> geez, um, yeah. Uh, well, we got a couple of easy questions to wrap up the interview. Um, Sweet. Okay. yeah. Yeah, a little little less in depth for you. Um, <laughs> now now that we've picked apart all of this other stuff, um, right? 
who is there like a specific person or artist that you could think of off the top of your head who's just like had what you would say to be the most influence on your work? Um, that's the easy question, by the way. <laughs> that was the that's the easy one. Damn. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not. I won't. I won't give you another big, long, drawn-out answer. But I'll, I will tell you, it's. Um, there used to be people like that in my life, yeah. like artists that I would really idolize or look up to a lot. The reality is, I've met a lot of those people now. Um, I've been fortunate mm-hmm. enough to to meet a lot of these people, and. Um, I've just, you know, you, you have that cliche, like, don't meet your heroes. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's like that, that people are disappointing to that extent. Um, what it is, it, it's more of a realization that people are people and human beings are human. And that yeah. I, 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 I'm kind of in a phase of my life where I don't, I don't put people on a pedestal because I know that we're all flawed. So I just try mm-hmm. to have a mutual respect for everybody instead of just like, oh, this person, I just idolize this person. I want to be this person. It's like, how uh, can yeah. I cultivate an environment where it's like we're all peers we're all you know and, and i think people are realizing that in a pandemic where they're like oh man we we're human like yeah we really are at the end of the day we're we're vulnerable um yes. we're not indestructible you know um we we gotta we gotta get to a place in community um within humanity where we can recognize each other for who we are and we can recognize everyone's inherent value like from the last to the first from the prisoner to the billionaire like we yeah everyone has worth everyone has value and that to me is like that's been the most influential part um you know some of some of my old idols like anthony green you know i've played i played mm-hmm. i used to idolize the guy when i was 15 16 it's like i'd do anything to meet this guy and now i've had like multiple one-on-one conversations he's grabbed me by my face and like you know m- like touched my beard before oh, like oh yeah uh well, you know where, like yeah, he's just a super sweet dude He's just, yeah, he's a sweetheart, but it's like, I, I I recognize it. No. And he's had his battles with addiction and stuff. And he's been very public about that. It's, you know, meeting him. It's like, yeah, you're just a normal dude like me, man. Like, that's awesome. Like that, that should drive me to, to respect you more for your mistakes and your shortcomings because I, I share in those too. So it's, it's a, you know, rather than idolizing, just kind of finding a place where we can just have a mutual respect. So that's, yeah. What's up, man? No, my it's actually it's funny that you're you're saying that because um, obviously Kevin, uh, you and Kevin have been friends for a long time. Kevin's mentioned you in passing before, um, and he was like, "Yeah, I've got I've got uh, Andrew from Idola. He's going to come on the podcast." I said, "Dude, that sounds great." And until we literally sat down and started talking, and I put it together that you also play guitar and dance, Gavin dance. I didn't know that. And so when I found that out in my head, I was like, oh, fuck, wait, th- this this guy's in Dance Gavin Dance. And I had a moment of like, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> but then, right, it's like, oh, right, people are people. And so I, I think that yeah, that actually exactly. speaks really, really well to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, awesome. Um, and then, what's up, Matt, what's the last question I have on our document? I can't. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The... Oh, I know what it is. Uh... Go ahead. No, you can ask it. Can really? I really? You promise? Yeah. Right. I, I feel like it's Andrew and I talking this whole time. Matt's just like. No, but you know what? That's it. that's fine because uh, I, you know, you guys obviously you have uh, a history and a friendship, and I think that yeah. that is uh, 
I think that that is valuable to listen to than rather than me, you know, pretending just because I have the better microphone right now does not mean that that I have to talk more. I think this is great content. You guys are yeah. making a big wave right now, but I will okay. still answer or ask rather the last question, which okay. is um, what is the most rewarding thing music has brought into your life? Man, you you guys said these were easy questions. God, yeah, easy. I mean, for for a guy who writes concept albums, I thought you know, a little introspection would oh, be too also, bad. There are also um, easy questions that I wrote. I specifically, yeah, I was like, ah, right, oh, yeah. these ones are the fun ones. Yeah, what's your I favorite color, man? No, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I I love it. I love it. Um, the most rewarding thing that music has brought me, I would say, um, this this. A, a sense of a purpose um, that music has brought me that I don't, I've never been able to get from anything else. Uh, and I think a lot of musicians that are really passionate about it, regardless of how big they get, how small of an impact they have, I think that, you know, musicians that really are about the art or the integrity of, of that expression, mm-hmm. um, you know, like myself, it, it's been really valuable to, to, see and hear and witness the impact that my life and my music has on other people in any capacity, right? Like it, mm-hmm. I've had, I've had people come up to me and say, you know, that my music saved their life or that they, and which is, you know, it, it's humbling, but it's, yeah. it, you know, they, they saved their own life, right? It, it, if, if my music was a catalyst to that, <clears throat> that's amazing. But, but they're, they're the ones that found the strength in themselves to keep going, which is the most yeah. important thing. So I always try to bring it back to that. But when it comes to still seeing that in person or people getting my lyrics tattooed on them, or people getting my artwork tattooed on them, um, I had an experience with a, a friend of mine named, he's a friend now, but uh, his name's Ryan. I had a solo show <clears throat> that I did in LA um, back in des- December. And yeah. this guy flew out from Michigan. He has he has a full like lighthouse lotus tattoo on his on his. He's got a whole sleeve on his on his arm that yeah. has lyrics from our song Low Tie on it. And just I mean, uh, it, it, uh, the guy's awesome. just I mean, such a nice guy. So he flew out. He flew out from Michigan to the show. Yeah. Um, it was just a solo show. It wasn't even Idola. And he he messaged me. He was like, hey, I'm flying out for this. And I was like, whoa, that's insane. If you do fly out, I'll, not only will I guest list you, I'll take you to dinner. And he was oh, like, wow. okay, so he gets, <laughs> he gets there. World. Yeah. Guest listed him to the show. He came and watched it. And then at chain reaction, there's a, there's yeah. a Denny's like literally right around the corner. So I was like, fuck this Denny's right here. You want to, you want to kick it? And he's like, yeah, let's go. So I took him to Denny's. <laughs> bought it, that's bought awesome. Dinner. <laughs> dude, uh, that's such a show experience too. Like dude, the, of yeah. all restaurants, what is it about Denny's, the man? post show, like, no man. You know Had whoever opened that Denny's dude. was like, there's a bunch of bands <laughs> coming here. This is where Denny's is going. <laughs> Profit, dude. That's, a, that's a Wait, So, so um, you took this guy I, to Denny's? Yeah, I took him to Denny's and we we talked awesome. for, you know, for like an hour and a half. And he, that's super great. genuine guy. I gave him my number. We, you know, we still talk. He's a nurse right now. God bless him. Like, he's, yeah. he's, oh, God. He's yeah. going, going yeah. through it. So, um, wow. you know, God, God bless anyone that's in that's healthcare. Weird. Right now, I have yeah. friends. My friend Jess is a nurse too. Like, it, it, there's I have a lot of friends in healthcare that I I really I pray are are gonna make it through this and and gonna be okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, 
you know, that guy included Ryan, shout out to Ryan. He's, he's awesome. Uh, we, yeah. we sat and talked for like an hour and a half and he, uh, just, we talked about everything, man. We talked about life. He talked about how my art impacted him. And then I talked about how him being impacted by the art impacts me. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> you know, a cool mutual yeah. exchange where you go, okay, you know, this is the most positive thing that music has brought for, for me, like, regardless of like, how shitty the internet can be or how, you know, how people can get wrapped up. I haven't used social media in a year. Um, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll occasionally Whoa. go on to um, Instagram or Twitter. If my, you know, if my, one of my bandmates or my managers like, Hey, like this hasn't <laughs> been responded to, or, you know, like I'll go on the band account once in a blue moon, like maybe once or twice, once or twice every couple of months. Yeah. Um, and I'll be on there for like five minutes and then I'll close it out. Cause I remember how much I fucking hate social media. Um, oh, it's but a rough place, dude. I, I, yeah, I'm really grateful that, uh, I haven't used it in a year. Like I, I deleted all my personals. Um, I, ha I completely deleted yeah. them. They're, they're not like, that. Oh, this is, this is backlogged. Like, Oh, I could reactivate it. No, they're gone. Like I deleted the shit out of those. Cause I, I really dislike social media. I dislike the impact it has on people's mental health. I've, I have, uh, younger siblings. Um, and, I can see how it impacts their mental health and, sure, yeah. you know, where they have certain wow. moments where, you know, when you hear like a, a little kid, it's like, I don't, I just kind of want to die and I don't know why it's like, fuck dude, I, I've been there and I can yeah. see how this, this screen time is impacting you so negatively. And it gives us, yeah. it gives humanity this weird incubator to just like breed hate and and discord and like mm. disconnect and people getting way too wrapped up in each other's personal lives and then like trying to bring each other down it's it's just an unhealthy system that i don't like to actively participate in i would mm. rather participate in like very humanistic art like this like a podcast where people are yeah. having genuine discussions mm. um without all the commentary so like with art it, there's always going to be commentary i don't look at that and i don't want to be a part of it i just want to yeah. be a part of the making process so um the the positive side way outweighs the negative side seeing people that get impacted by my music and and yeah. come to me and say hey i got this tattooed on me because fuck it means a lot like i i got yeah. me through some times and it's well, like that just, that, that's yeah. perfect that, that's that's what that's my intention like cathartically i want to offer that to other people because that's what music gave me throughout my whole life so yeah well, and that's just that completes the cycle of, you know, like your art impacts them. It has the positive effect. And like, it's almost like your art is a form of bringing it back to, you know, we talked to our buddy Devin Seegers a few weeks ago, bringing it back to gratitude. It's almost like your art is an expression of gratitude for life. And then these people come back with gratitude for the way that your arts impacted them. And it just furthers that, you know, it creates that cycle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's why you have pockets of fan bases that are really healthy and pockets of fan bases that are, you know, uh, I, I hate to use the word toxic. I think that's really yeah. overused. But, mm. um, you know, it's true. It's, a, like, it's an apt word for it, though. It's yeah. an apt word. Yeah. Like like fan bases that just <clears throat> are not very um, they're not very kind. You know, they're very yeah. in, in the in the in the hate speech shit. So, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I don't really pay attention to a lot of that stuff anymore. It doesn't really phase me. Um, I, I pay attention more to like my, my genuine fans reaching out and saying, Hey, you know, I can't wait for your next record or this, yeah. this really impacted me in a positive way. And, you know, um, that's good. Like, that, that sense of community means a lot to me. Um, yeah, I, I want to continue that, like, regardless of where a career in music goes, I I'm, you know, like that's still to be determined. Music is, is really volatile you know i had my whole years yeah. in 
come ripped out of my hands in like a day with this whole Corona thing. So, oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's that was, that's yeah, a that really, really great too. point. I didn't even think about that. So you obviously probably had to cancel tours. Right? Oh yeah, you, said you, you canceled the Dance Gavin Dance tour. And if if this doesn't clear up by June, uh, we'll most likely be canceling the rest of our tours until it's fixed. I mean, until we can. I mean, we we don't have a say. You know, it's like the yeah, the government totally. really got it down, and which is, I mean, you know, it that's the response that that's needed. Yeah. Uh, I get it, but for for a gig based person, right, somebody who makes their entire income, uh, and I, I have two, yeah. I have two ma- two major jobs. I'm a personal trainer, and then I am a musician. So um, when I'm, I can't do either of those things right now, really. Um, I can't, I can't, all the gyms are closed. So I can't go back to the gym that I was at and personal train for my living. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't go on tours. The only thing I could do is, is go back and try to lean into social media and try to try to basically sell myself out and do, you know, just kind of, yeah, just kind of like a weird, I, that doesn't feel genuine. Maybe vocal lessons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've still done that. Um, I've still done some vocal lessons, some guitar lessons. Um, that's, that's been a nice like side thing, but you know, I, I've, I've worked so many jobs over the years. Like I have no problem, like, you know, pulling myself up and and going and and getting any type of job, even if it's manual labor, like not really, not really a big deal. Um, the old bootstraps metaphor. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, you know, if, if I need to, I can, it's okay, but it is, it, it is, it's opening for sure. Uh, at least for me, for the longevity of, of trying to have a career, it's very eye-opening to see like, oh, hey, my whole career got shut down in like one day and I have yeah. to just put it on hold till who knows when, till this is all done. And I, it's, it is hard. It's hard to be like, okay, should I still try to, con- should I still continue to try to pursue this um, yeah. as, a, as a viable source of like f- future income, retirement income? You know, yeah. I've had a lot of oh, fun man. with music for many years and i think mm-hmm. i'll continue to have fun regardless of if it's my career or not like i want to do something i did something that helped people in a really cool artistic way i think i want to continue to do that but i really want to focus on what can i do to build a career for myself that also helps people in in practical ways as well mm-hmm. so you know i think that's that uh, that's what i would that's that's eventually what i'd like to do so that's awesome so you know it's possible in the future you might like be arresting someone and they go hey man i really like this song (laughs) (laughs) by the way well you know if i if if i become a lawyer or something maybe i'll be up maybe i'll be a defense attorney at that point so there you go go. yeah they'll be like by the way degenerate changed my life (laughs) <laughs> You're like, well, well change it a little more man <laughs> yeah change it a little more let's keep you out of prison <laughs> <laughs> well awesome man dude thanks so much for coming on and talking yeah man thank you yeah dude, absolutely man i had a i had a pleasure i i'm a little bit of a rambler so i apologize some of your, some of your fans uh, might get a little bored, but <laughs> podcasts are exactly for this reason because yeah. everything in our society is you know go 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 get to the point we need a commercial break that kind of mm-hmm. and and podcasts are meant to be long form for that reason because yeah. human conversation is meant to be long. No, I, I genuinely appreciate you guys for having me on. Uh, yeah. Blast. Uh, so, yeah. Idola, uh, uh-huh. what's the name of the record? It's called the, the Architect. One? The Architect. Mm-hmm, and yeah. do you have a release date yet? 
No, dude. Corona 2020, baby. Yeah. Shit. That's dude, weird. it threw a wrench in all the works. I, <laughs> yeah. I was actually, so, when I was listening to it the other day, I was like, oh, I wonder when this is going to come out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wonder when everyone is. We've, we've, talk, we've talked a little bit. So Dance Gavin Dance, uh, I believe, is pushing back the release of Afterburner as well. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so I, I don't quote me on that. I don't know 100%, but okay. um, we, it's, you know, it, it's, it's up in the air. I mean, without a tour to support a record, it's really tough. Everything in the industry Understood. is hinged, is just, it's hinged on streams and sales. And yeah. when you're playing to two to 4,000 people a night and you're selling records um yeah. that's heavily impacting your numbers even for idola if we're playing to two to 500 people a night that's still that's heavily impacting a band of our sizes numbers right yeah absolutely uh, and so without a tour it becomes really difficult it's like the question of okay should we just put it out so people can digest it while they're quarantined and bored and is that the best way to do it or yeah. do we wait until a tour is available and and do it from there so we're, we're trying to plan some stuff out but uh idola the arc the architect um you know hopefully out this summer or this sometime fall, <laughs> yeah sometime 2020 uh, maybe sooner if we all if we pull the trigger on just putting it out um, and then Dance Gavin Dance Afterburner, um, I play guitar on one song, I sing a feature on another song and sing some harmonies throughout. So um, really good record all the way through, really different for Dance Gavin Dance. Uh, I'm excited for people to hear that whole thing. Um, it's yeah. really cool. Really awesome. looking forward to it. Yeah, and so people can find you on Instagram, Idola. Obviously, even though you're not on social media personally, Idola yep. still has the Instagram. Yeah, Idola, yeah, at Idola um, on pretty much every social that's, that is there um awesome. sergio sergio runs it primarily sometimes we have okay. our manager will stevenson run it um oh, cool. but you know if you have any questions or anything or you're just looking to you know keep updated we we don't really like i said we don't update it very often um no. but we will as soon as we know what we're going to do for release um we will be awesome. we'll be putting up for sure we'll rock on man well thanks a ton talk to you all right soon. awesome pleasure guys you have a good one yeah you too man Thanks for listening to the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast with our special guest, Andrew Wells from Iadola. Andrew was gracious enough to allow our listeners a sneak preview of a new song off their fourth studio album called The Architect. This song is called Empty Gardens, and we're going to roll it uh, right after this. Thanks for listening. <laughs>